You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. Let's start the year off strong. Download our Unstucked Budgeting Guide to get unstuck in your finances to begin to understand your flow of money. Look, when I think back to when I really made a shift from living paycheck to paycheck to being able to invest and actually understand my retirement timeline, it all started with budgeting. So download our budgeting guide available in the show notes. Now on to the episode. Hi, Luna. How are you? I'm great. So good to be here with you. Great to be here with you as well. A great friend of mine, Tiff Knighton, who's also been a guest on the show, referred you my way. And I was just telling Luna before I jumped on, I was doing some preliminary research and I was just so impressed with her website. As all entrepreneurs know, websites are, like I told you, a journey, not a destination. Really love what you're doing. And I know the audience is going to find a lot of value in it. So I just want to hear a little bit about you. How'd you get to creating Joytown and, and where are you from? I sometimes joke with people, whether I'm doing a presentation or doing stand-up comedy or working with an organization, I sometimes say, like, you can play whatever drinking game you want. If it's sips of coffee, great. If it's, like, wine, awesome. To take a sip every time you hear me say, I'm from Louisiana, because I am from Louisiana, and I rep it so hard. I grew up in a small town called Opelousas, Louisiana. We are the Zydeco capital of the world, also the yam capital of the world. Uh, I did not even know any of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Don't let people know. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yes. That's where I'm from. And really, it's truly how I describe myself. There's so much about Louisiana culture and the culture that I grew up in. Like, for a long time, I was very annoying as a kid. So, like, every time I turn on the TV or go anywhere out here, les le bon temps roule, but... Lazy Le Bon Ton Roulet is really my personality. You know, let the good times roll. And it's such a joyful culture, right? In a place where there's a rich history of sorrow, a rich history of oppression, a rich history of struggle. And the, the way that joy is used to connect, whether that's through the music or the joy of the food or the joy of the dance or the joy of the celebrations and all of that culture brings people together. And that's why people love Louisiana. And that essence is what I bring with me into my work, whether it's performing or whether it's Joy Channel. So yeah, that's where I'm from. That's my story. I love that as actually, you know, we're nodding along because I couldn't agree more with all of those takes. My my mom's side's from Natchez, Mississippi. We have the same flavor, but also the same focus when it comes to just equity and equality. And that's something that came blaring through on your website, which is something I absolutely love, and your brand too. That's wonderful. And also these titles. So as we all know, entrepreneurs, we love to give ourselves titles, whatever it is, but Chief Vibe Officer of Joy Channel. Tell me about how you landed on Chief Vibe Officer because it is such a great summation and we'll get to hear about some of your comedy and also playwriting. I think it all falls in wonderfully, but tell us about Joy Channel, how that was started and, and how you became Chief Vibe Officer. Yeah. So basically, I've been working in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion now for about 15 years, you know, because I'm also a performer. Sometimes I'm still like, I'm any age. So I I try to like hide that, but whatever, (laughs) I don't care. But the thing is, I 
have like done different iterations of this work, whether that's like being a social worker or working with the Anti-Defamation League specifically on anti-bias, anti-racism and anti-Semitism, or whether that is working with trauma and connecting the dots between the trauma of racism and other childhood traumas and war-like traumas, like all the different types of traumas that people can experience. I've intersected with that through my background. And what I found in all of those different iterations of my work were that there needs to be a focus on relationships. There needs to be a focus on utilizing our creativity and tapping into our imagination. And I felt siloed, actually. I felt like I was living this kind of, depending on your age, I can give a different reference, but this kind of like Hannah Montana lifestyle where... No, would, 100%. I know exactly, you know, exactly where you're going with that. I love it. <laughs> where, you know, I like by day, I was working with corporations and had to use this super serious lingo to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, code switching in different ways. And by night, I was performing. I realized that the way that I was reaching people through comedy or theater hit closer to the heart, right? And that there's a lot of overlap. And actually, I think a lot of people get lost in the jargon of a lot of DEI. And it's very off-putting. I just needed to create a space for myself to be my full whole self and to invite that into every person that I work with. So everybody on the Joy Channel team is are also multidisciplinary people, right? And I think we're all multidisciplinary people. We just may not tap into that, right? But Joy Channel just really embraces that and invites organizations into that too. So I love that you're starting with this question because today I was working with an organization. It was like kind of like the first introductory meeting for an organization that's going to be doing some training with us. And we did a little overview, but we actually decided with this group of people to be like, okay, you're on the Joy Channel team now. So you've met me, the chief vibe officer. You've met Ben, vice president of listening. What's your Joy Channel title? And what are you good at? Like, what would you, if you were to be given this thing, what would you do with it? And actually the feedback and the responses we got were dope. Like someone said that they were like a contessa of connections, which like. Wow. It's like. You get to know them like on that deep level, like right off the bat. That's right so creative. Like, you just get to kind of explore like what is it their thing? Like merriment maker was like someone else's title. And I really think like to go back to why I decided to be chief vibe officer is, you know, Audrey Lord, who I quote all the time, said the master's tools will not dismantle the master's house. And so what I rebuke on a daily basis is this push and this like pressure from organizations for me to come in and like do things their same way. Well, the same way is problematic. And in all of these titles, you know what we have? We have hierarchy. We have people's sense of worth and value being tied up into what roles they have or what that title does and what that means about them. And so part of the reason why we have these fun titles is to kind of playfully explore what does it mean to kind of imagine for yourself what do you want to be and how do you show up and to playfully examine like how much weight are people putting into these titles and what does that mean? So it's my way of kind of addressing that subtly, maybe not so subtly, depending on the nature. And I also, as the founder of the organization, I want to create an organization where other people have agency and 
I'm the chief, but we have a queen, we have an archduke, we have a vice president, we have a czar, we have like... So I'm trying to create like flat, like different ways for people to create and like really use their agency and their power and not necessarily feel like I'm the one who has to dictate everything. Yeah, not me sitting here trying to figure out what my title would be. Uh, I okay, would, wait, I would. Wait, wait, what's your title be? What would it know, be? Okay, mine would be King of Synergy. Yeah, you know, I had Ooh. to really give that some thought. But King of Synergy, not only from a communication standpoint, but connecting. You know, um, that that's something that I've. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I had a panic moment. Like I was like, "What is mine?" And it, it has to be it. <laughs> I love that King of Synergy. But your creativity and how you approach just business has me so fascinated. You're my 31st guest, and I cannot say that any other guest has come with that level of creativity and just like how seriously you even take onboarding. And so I want to dig a little bit more because listeners oftentimes want to know kind of actionable steps like, how do I get to be like a lunar? How do I emulate that energy? Because I know when you first started all this, you weren't thinking Joy Channel right at first, right? You weren't maybe potentially like being this creative. So like, what were some of those moments for you that really not only made you confident to go for this kind of angle and creativity in business that ultimately needs to happen? Because like you said, like things are just outdated. But like what experience when I asked that kind of came to mind? Like what was your unlock where you're like, this is what I want to do and this is my lane? Great question. I think that there's several people in my life who have mentored me in different ways, who have supported me in different ways. And a good friend of mine, Kate Hanessian, is actually the founder of, this is a consultancy and agency in design thinking, actually, that has been alive and thriving for over 10 years now. And she became a good friend of mine and was like, the world needs your skills. It doesn't know that it does. This was like maybe back in 2020, 21. But she was like the joy and the creativity you bring. Because in some ways, I had I felt like I had to hide some of it professionally. Like, I was like, I don't even know what to do with this, you know? And she was like, no, we need this. It's like her saying that kind of planted that seed of like, I think there's a way that I could bring all of this together. I don't think I have to live in this like bifurcated. And that's the word that she shared with me. She was like, you have a bifurcated existence. And then I Googled what that meant. And I was like, yeah. Not me sitting here Googling it too. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Meaning, basically, I was living my life like Hannah Montana, okay? Mm, Yeah, two alter egos. Yeah, two alter egos. And I was like, wow. Like, it was the first time anyone used that word on me. And I was just like, yeah, that's true. And I didn't want to do that anymore. I was tired of that. It's exhausting, right? And so I think that was the seed. The creativity was there. And then I was with another friend of mine, Molly McHenry, and I knew I had to do it, right? I knew I had to create this thing. I got some like, actually like wealth coaching from two brothers, two brothers and two brothers. They're brothers and they're brothers. Love it. And they started a a wealth coaching agency called Alchemist Wealth. I didn't have wealth at the time. What I had was I was going through a divorce, but I had like, a little bit of money coming in. Like for me, that it was like a lot of money because I'd never ha- would have like that kind of money coming in from like the sale of a house, right? But it was by no means, I don't want people to think it's like I'm sitting on a sum. It's all gone. I put it in the business. But they basically were like, they looked at my spending patterns. They looked at what I was making and they were like, 
you can make whatever you want. You have all the capabilities of just doing it by putting it in your own business. And as wealth coaches, they actually advised me to start my own business and work for myself and take that risk. And they were like, we're looking at your assets, like my financial assets, which were zero, right? I want to be very clear. But they're like, what you bring, that's your wealth, is like, is who you are. They're like, just give it everything you have for a year, run at it and see what it does. And that's like, their voices have been in my head literally for the past year, because it's been one year since I started Joy Channel. And I think of them often of that advice of just like run for it. And so it was hearing from those different folks in my life that like, you can do this, that gave me the confidence. I think like a lot of times people have the gifts. It's just maybe you don't have a confidence, right? Yeah. My really great friend, Troy Dunlap, CEO of Her First 100K, um, CPO of First 100K. And one of our big missions is we don't empower people. People already have the power. They just don't know how to use it. And what I hear from you is like your network was energetically aligned with you. They knew what you were capable of. They didn't put you in a box. They met you where you were. They encouraged you. And I want to echo those things because when people feel stuck and when they're trying to start businesses or pivot, I think we get really myopic on step one through 10, which is necessary, but also what's necessary is having that support. It's so important. And I just wanted to really highlight that piece because what you just said made me really smile because when I started my business a year ago, like, Hello, how crazy is it that we're both sitting here? Like, high, high five. five. Like, like, that's crazy to me, but also makes a ton of, like these coincidences have just been happening like rapidly in the last couple months. But that was literally what was on my vision board. Run at it and give it a year and see what happens. And I went from making, you know, $120,000 a year at a nice corporate job to making north of $200,000 a year in my business full time. And if you would have came to me a year ago and been like, you're going to do that, I would have been like, love stretch goals, but we're really talking three to five years. And I like to share those really tangible things because I think what causes people to get stuck is they just don't have that voice out there to help them at that start. I mean, that's why I started this platform was I always see and hear at the end, I made a million, I made two million, I made, I retired, right? And it's like, okay, but I'm just getting started. I have I remember when my business accounts would overdraft and I had to move my, like, I've been there. And I would say, looking back, like, it was one of the most necessary experiences because now it allows me to take even more risks because I've already been at the bottom. You know what I mean? And I'd love to give you a chance to respond to that. I love that you said that. And I love that you're naming numbers. I, I definitely ran at it. I think, like, I definitely was at that point where I was, like, moving money from my savings. So what I had, like, I had, like, maybe $20,000 that I had gotten via divorce and savings that I had gathered. And that I didn't necessarily put into my business. It was more like, this is my cushion for the year in case like... Yeah, in case all hell breaks loose. In case all hell breaks <laughs> loose. So I didn't even like, it, it's not even like I put that into my business. I maybe, I was employed at the time. And so the, I maybe spent like $500 here on there on like building the website going through the process of creating the LLC. And then the savings, <laughs> I just spent those down because I am not a frugal person. That was Me either. <laughs> I, I wish I could be like, you know, I put it in my business and then what happened is it tripled, but it's just like, it was also pandemic. And like I said, I was going through a divorce. So it was just like, your girl had to go to France, right? I had to have like a eat, pray, love moment at some point in time. We love that for you. I went to therapy. It went to like things like that. 
But you, <laughs> it sounds like, like you were investing in yourself actively. I was actively investing in myself, like different types of classes and things like that. And what I realized, and I think we've seen a, like a lot of different types of like memes and things that have come out from the pandemic, but truly Joy Channel is a pandemic story because I would not have realized that I'm the people on my team are all over the country. They're folks that I've met in different phases of my life that I work, I work with, like we kind of assembled. That would not have happened had it not been for the pandemic. I think I would have like been like very locally focused or something like that. And then that there's so many different costs that that would have incurred. But by being a completely virtual business, our costs are low. Like the startup costs were relatively low. We just had to essentially sell ourselves and our energy and our services, right? And the other thing of of why this is a pandemic baby is that, you know, there's some people that like, you know, there was a lot going on, but I kind of realized like, oh, it's all crumbling, you know? I think I, I had that same moment. I'm like, well, world's ended. Might as well just go for it. Why as well go for it? <laughs> like, what is up? And like, everything has changed. Everything that we thought was what we knew, what was being proven wrong on a daily basis. So it's just like, why not just throw something on the wall and see if it sticks? Absolutely. And I appreciate you being transparent and sharing. Because again, when I go back to why I initially took me a while, I mean, I've been in business, you know, since I can remember since I was 17, but like fully going for it and being the person that owns it. I supported a lot of businesses, had equity in businesses, but never fully said, this is Khalil's business. And I remember because I would listen to podcasts or I would read experts and I would always go, well, they're not where I'm at. Like, I don't have any money in my bank account, in my business bank account. Yes, I could maybe allocate 300 bucks a month for my personal to get it started. And that's what I did is it was podcast and some subscriptions like uh, Riverside and, and Dropbox and Red Circle. And, you know, I invested that. But I want to share that moment. And what it was actually was I was in a healthcare startup no less than three months ago. I got laid off. I was head of product. Like I had found that stride in corporate. Like I'm head of product. I'm on a cutting edge tech. And, you know, recession talk hit, they cut staff. That led to me having to go out and actively advocate for my business because I was like, you know what, let me just see what I can do. And it ended up getting some awesome opportunities that, as you know, with business income, it's not like a W-2 where they pull all your taxes out. If you have 10,000, you get 10,000. And how you allocate that, whether that's your 401k or expenses, you get to keep that. And so I'll never forget when those two contracts came through, that wire hit, I was like, okay, this is on. It's on. It's on. It's yeah. on. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm going back to what you said, like, you know, the outline, you know, the, the two brothers, what they were telling you. It's like, you have it. You can do it. You just have to give yourself grace to do it. And you have to just take it one step at a time. And it it was hard. It's still hard. I mean, I, be honest with you, I was dragging. I, my body hurts. I was in my trainer yesterday. Today is one of the end of the year planning, planning for next year. Like, I'm like, Luna, I don't know if I'm going to show up as my best self. And look at the change in energy like, it's amazing. And that's why I love podcasting. And more importantly, that's why I love entrepreneurship. So I get to meet people like you. Yeah. I mean, and one of the things that I tell people all the time is like, there was a moment in the pandemic where everybody was just kind of like, I'm not doing okay. Like, this is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as things started to open up, like we left that. But I'm like, let's not leave that. Okay. Let's keep the authenticity because you're not going to be your best self every day. That's just not how it is. And that's okay. Thank you. And 
I'm Thank not you. myself every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be. <laughs> no, I think it, it's so true. And I still struggle with that because I still expect myself to show up. It's this like godly thing. And it, that's, I'm a human. And days ebbs and flow. But I will say what's really improved is just the people around me. They keep me going. They remind me to take breaks. It's to your earlier point, like it's that tribe that you need. If you're looking to take step one, look at the people around you. It's cliche, but it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. And then you'll notice that things happen organically, right? And I think it's just like really just building sincere relationships with the people around you too. Like So true. Real. And you don't have to posture. You don't have to prove yourself. You could just be you. And there will be someone who will vibe with that and be like, oh, I, I feel that, you know? Well, we're vibing. This is the first time we ever met. And this is the magic of podcasting. I love it. Absolutely love it. Something that caught my attention that I thought was so cool, and I just see it woven through your whole life, is your award-winning playwriter. Uh, you wrote a play, How to Be a White Man, but also it was just littered throughout your personal website. And I just want to talk to you about that career path and like how you keep that love around in your day-to-day. But I, first off, I just want to hear about being an award-winning playwriter. Like, how cool is that? Uh, it's so cool. It, yeah, and I actually, you know, one thing I will say and I'll, I'll talk about the play in a second, but one of the things that I foolishly was excited about in creating my own business story channel is just like, oh, because I'll work for myself, then I could do like whatever creative stuff I want and like continue to be creative and write more. Who has time for that? No, none of that. No, you got everything and in between to do. <laughs> and I asked that, I asked that intentionally because it's, I know that was like your jump off and like now where you're at, you're probably like, okay, that is still a part of me, but like, okay, realistically, I have to do all this other stuff now. I have to do all this. I took a two-week break recently, and in that, it's very hard for me to take a true, true break because I was like, oh, I'm taking a break. I could write a play. And it's just like, girl, that's not a break. That's like more work. It's a different type of work, right? Okay, you, okay just, just at me next time, okay? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. So that play, I am a stand-up comedian still. And at the time, folks were actually coming to me to write a book. And I found that really daunting. And so I was like, ah, I can't write a book, but I can write a play, right? Because I, I have like an hour of material, right? And I was working with a friend and, and colleague of mine who is a writer and editor. And she basically was just like, I can help you. Like, I can help you reorganize your stand-up material. I could help you think through that because you have it. Like, I've heard your stand-up. There's so much there. Like, how can we... There's that tribe again. There's that tribe again. Like, how can we create narrative around some of your jokes? And so that is like, really the things that I was exploring were all these things around identity and like, whose measure of success do we have, right? And what privileges do we have and based on our identities, right? What are things that are exposal and how can we play with that a little bit and like explore like whose idea of making it am I actually striving for, right? So that play satirically explored all of these different things around identity and a lot was like taken from the things that I already did. And so if I could give advice, if anybody wants that, it's just like, look at the things you already created and see what seeds from those things you could repurpose or rebuild because like anything you've done, and I don't, I don't really care who you are listening. <laughs> like if you're a person with years under your belt, like you've done things, you've had experiences and you can repurpose those for something else. 
wonderful advice and I've taken your advice and it's something that is so pivotal in business because when I first started, I had an idea of like, I want to do this, but naturally people came to me for this. And so it's our job to kind of find that synergy in the middle. Like for me, it's advising. Like I have CEOs and executives come to me constantly who are like yourself, who are building something new and, and kind of need that fresh take, but also kind of just want someone they can trust. And so great advice. I don't think we do it enough. I think just I understand, I get it, it's a lot going on, um, but it's so important to kind of take accounting of that. And also, like you said, like, is this what I want to do? And this is this who I want to become? Like, that is a very serious question that only you can answer. So now that, like, wow, like so many cool experiences that you still have and are still doing. So when you think about Joy Channel now, I want to just talk a little bit more about that. You mentioned briefly some of the services that you you have, but can you talk to us about some of your services, maybe some of your favorite clients or offerings that you've done? Like, I see you lighting up right now, so I yeah. can't wait to hear. Oh my gosh, yes. What I love about Joy Channel is that essentially we are saying two things. Like one, the world's, and this is like rooted in, in so much of, there's so many scholars that I look up to, right? People like Sonia Renee Taylor and Adrian Marie Brown who are voices I don't think people hear enough when it comes to our path towards liberation. And basically, uh, what those two women have posed to the world is like, that really two things are necessary in order to move forward in creating more equity. One, we have to love ourselves, right? Like that's a lot of Sonia Renee Taylor's work is like, actually there's all this ideology about like, who's unworthy. And a lot of the work in DEI has been focused on what is this person over here saying? And what is this person over here thinking? But actually, we've picked up a lot of stuff that we need to unlearn, right? So basically, that's one path. And Adrian Marie Brown, and I'm paraphrasing, right? I'm boiling it down. But Adrian Marie Brown is like, whose imagination are we tapped into, right? There's a lot of folks who created this world that we're living in, where there's like, you know, your worth is like your monetary value and like, based on your ability and skin color and sexuality and all these different things, like some people have more access than others, but that's based on a few people's imagination. What's your imagination? How can you reimagine it, right? So what Joy Channel does is like, okay, well, we got to build a better world. We're going to do that through creativity. We're going to do that through all of these different paths. Every organization is different. Every community is different. We want to hear from you. We want to be partners with the folks that we work with and reimagining what their organizational culture looks like and reimagining what their comms and their communication looks like. So because we're creatives and we know that culture is the thing that changes, right? Culture is the thing that will change folks. It's not gonna just be like, we say information does not equal transformation. So because I say like, Khalil, let me tell you what implicit bias means. That doesn't mean you're not going to have implicit bias anymore now that you know the definition. <laughs> yeah. What? Right? We, we need that. Yeah. Yeah. People out here telling definitions and like being really cute and like lecturing people and being like, well, my job is done, but that's not how people change. You know, like it's culture, right? So there's a lot of different ways we tap into that. And we work with, oof, we're in so many different industries. It's actually really cool. We've worked with hospitals, like, one of my favorite things to do is train folks within organizations to train folks in organizations. So we do train the trainings. Um, we work with LGBT advocacy organizations and we work on communications and storytelling where people can like see themselves in new ways, right? 
We work with foundations and helping them reimagine, like, how are they giving money to different folks? Like, how are those things coming down? We work with organizations that work specifically with people with disabilities and folks in the disabled community and, like, helping them be more aware of their own ableism, right, to provide better support, you know? We work with abortion funds. We out here, it's like every type of organization that works with people in different ways and also communities as well, we can work and thrive with you because we know we're not experts. We don't have to be experts in different industries, right? We have a certain knowledge of how to help people move along in their journey, right? How to explore ideas around equity and inclusion and how to build team and connection. And we share that knowledge. So they have that within their organization and then they could do it without us. That's the goal, you know? Yeah, I'm having so many Oprah moments over here. I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. I don't want to say it every single time. Something you said, I'm still stuck on. And I think it was brilliantly put, whose creativity are you tapping into? Like, wow. Like I, I had to take a moment. And that was, I think, a big shift. Is it, it's truly mine. And like, I, I was like, wow. But in, I could totally place myself when I wasn't there. And that is so critical and key. And as you work with, these different companies, is there something that's like a common thread that you see often? Like when you jump in these meetings, you're like, oh, seen this before. Like, I'm, I know how to help you. Like, do you find some of those common threads? I know you mentioned people just kind of like, for lack of a better term, like kind of splaining at people and then walking away. But instead of just being there to support and love and slowly shift the Titanic, right? Because you're changing people's lifelong habits. What are some of those similarities that you see when you're helping companies? Yeah. You know, I think my job is to really be like, guess what? No one knows what they're doing. I feel like people have a lot of fear and frustration. And really, I think what my true job is, is to kind of help people let go of their cynicism, right? Like we're living in the year 2022. A lot of folks, especially Black and Brown people, are like, done with DEI initiatives. Like a lot of DEI initiatives have been so harmful actually to like black and brown people. And so a lot of folks don't even believe that change could be possible in whatever way. And so a lot of my work that I see in organizations and a lot of what we do is a lot of organizing around like helping people feel confident in expressing their vision. And so I think what I see, what what is so common is that there are a lot of answers that are already within the organization. It's just a lot of times people don't feel comfortable sharing it, naming it. A lot of times the gap and the problem is actually the culture does not provide the space for those answers to come to the surface. And so that's why I work with culture because it's like the answers are there. It's like you think somebody who... No shade to any other consultants, but somebody go Mary Poppins into an organization that has like 30 years of experience and working in this thing and all of a sudden figure out what's wrong with it. No, people in the organization already know what's wrong with it. There are other reasons why that isn't being fixed. And often it's like the culture. And so that's what we kind of put our ear to the ground and examine and explore. Wow, like so wonderfully put. And that culture piece is definitely not focused on enough. What you just laid out is, is so true and something I actually had to learn, especially as a young buck coming into corporate. Like, I'm gonna fix everything. I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a shoulder the brunt. I'm gonna change the culture. 
But really, like you said, it, it's being patient, but also understanding that you're a cog in a bigger machine. And as long as you are leading by example, naturally, you will start to shift that culture. And I was chuckling over here about the DEI because the last corporate job I left, I was actually head of DEI. And I can't tell you, one, how just insulting those programs are. I won't name companies, but like my last company almost tried to frame it as like a woman's group because they didn't feel comfortable talking about black and brown issues. And so there was just weird, like when I would try to lay out visions, it'd be like, well, this is for more than just black and brown people. This is also, right? And I was like, like, excuse me? Like, like, and I had to kind of resign myself because I would get on these meetings and not only was this kind of contentiousness there, but also on top of that, people would miss the meetings all the time and executives would miss the meetings all the time. So it's like you're setting a cultural precedent here by just not showing up to these things. Yes, we have into quarter deadlines, but like, wow, like there's a lot of hypocrisy sometimes. And just to know someone like you is out there just being kind of like that touch rock, like, hey, I get it. There's a lot happening, but here's how we're going to start to shift the culture. It's so astute and, and just brilliant. I love that take uh, that, that you just shared. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's just, I think there are people within the organization who who know what's going on. It's just like providing the space to make sure they're heard, right? Yes, like that's critical. And I think that's, in, in essence, kind of what I'm getting at is like people aren't feeling heard. Uh, and there's no, there's no true space where they can feel vulnerable, you know, and heard. And I think this is a great segue into kind of more like just development questions. Because again, I think you're so fascinating and I, I love what you've chosen to focus on. What would you say, and you've kind of alluded to bits and pieces of it, but what would you say is your most valuable skill? Ooh, uh, <laughs> I think that my most valuable skill, it's kind of like in my title, I think that I'm really good at assessing the vibe. Like, I use it as a performer. I use it as like a consultant. Uh, it's just like being able to kind of just tap into the pulse of like what's going on. And I'm like, what's the vibe? What's yeah, the it's, vibe? <laughs> but it's so important because I consult leaders all the time. I'm like, you're tone deaf to what's happening right now. It's not because you didn't deliver that right. It's because people weren't ready to hear it and you didn't set up the space to hear it. And it's just like, you just hit that chord. Like, it's so true. And it's those little things that, that really can add up and, and that really matter. So true to form, one of my last questions that on true to brand that I have to ask always is, you know, when you're feeling stuck or, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit, but, you know, when you're, when you're not feeling motivated or, or you're trying to shift directions and you just can't quite do it, like, how do you get yourself unstuck? Like, how do you keep yourself motivated, consistent, aligned? Like, what are some of those little things or big things that you do? Mm, I would say the number one thing that when I'm feeling really stuck, sometimes I need to press pause. Sometimes it means I need to rest and I'm running on, on nothing, right? Like my gas tank is empty and it means like I need to go lay down. And sometimes it means I need to go lay down for days, right? So I think that that is number one. And number two, part of the reason why Joy Channel is rooted in creativity and multidisciplines is that sometimes I think it takes seeing things from a completely different perspective. And so I often find inspiration for something that I'm stuck with and something completely different outside of the realm. So it's just like, really like, maybe like it's a, a song, all right? Or like trying to plant something or grow something that will give me insight. Or maybe it's like, y'all, I mean, 
by listening to me, I'm not trying to help people stereotype or get make people stereotype, but I'm not a sports person, right? But like, <laughs> yeah. right now I'm watching the World Cup and like there's so much about that that is like my brain that knows nothing about football or soccer. It's like just like there's so many things that are inspiring me from just like observing and absorbing something that is outside of my world. So it's so true. And I think that's honestly my favorite part about and why I advise on the side is it lets me enter into these ecosystems that are completely different. I mentioned I just came from healthcare. Like healthcare was never on my peripheral, but I've taken those experiences now of just like that regimented environment. And it's actually allowed me to think even more free. It's like, like some of the questions I always ask is like, do you think the healthcare execs are doing this? Because I don't want to do that then. No shade to you guys, but uh, my mom's in healthcare. <laughs> she always cracks up at that. Um, but no, it, it's so true. And a change of environment is key. And I, those are some of the things I always preach. The top two reasons why people get stuck is because, you know, for one, they stop exploring. That's the overarching number one reason that I find people get stuck is they put themselves in a box. You know, you go to your nine to five job, you have your routine, you, you know, you do all these things every day, but you never kind of shift it. And that's why I love traveling. And I always educate people that traveling doesn't mean just getting up and going somewhere because you, we've all been on vacations where we weren't present on the vacation. Traveling could be as simple as me going to a new coffee shop I've never been to and the yes. feeling and the preparation and the being in the space. That's traveling. Like, so I always joke like with my wife, like I traveled to the coffee shop today. You know what I mean? Like, so I really appreciate you sharing that because it's key. Those these little things add up to big things always. I love that. You had me up here amen and nod in my head. <laughs> you know, I uh, I try. I, I, I definitely in like a past life, I, I think I'm like was a teacher or something. And I Absolutely. might find myself back there again. You have teacher energy. For, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I'm, I'm kind of surprised you're not a teacher. <laughs> I guess through my TikToks and stuff, I've like, this is my podcast is my, it's like a public speaking hack because I can speak my mind, talk to awesome people like you, and then it gets blasted out. So Last thing, I know you did mention you're going to maybe start a podcast, so I'll definitely tell the folks to look out for that. I think you'd be wonderful at it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. Like I said, one of my top favorites. You live up to Chief 5 Officer for sure. Um, if you all want to follow Luna, all her links will be below. Luna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Khalil. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked Podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok at Unstuck.